this long. I should be living a more sanctified life than I've got going right now. I just haven't made the progress that I should have made until this point. Sometimes we get overwhelmed with that, don't we? We get disappointed. And David said in, in Psalm 119, he said these words. He said, I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. He said that. You know what happened? The stress of Absalom's mess caused David to become double-minded. And he hated that in himself. He went into mourning. You remember, oh, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, my son, would God that I had died instead of you. He was inconsolable. And then General Joab came and began to berate him. They said to him, better get it together. You hate those that love you. You hate those that are trying to deliver you. You hate those that have given their lives for you. And you love those who are trying to destroy you. Now just stop it. A pastor said that's one word, stop it. Your men are on disarray, he said, because they won the battle for you, for love of you, and you are mourning instead of rejoicing. You know, it's bad when a rascal like Joab comes and corrects you. You ever been corrected by somebody that you don't think too much of? And they're right on. They're right on. You know, David had to get it right. He had to think it through. It gets complicated because, as for me, I know double-mindedness. I do. I've got a love-hate relationship with some things in my life. And I'm going to be my own general Joab this morning, but please don't leave me alone in this. I'm going to talk about Beverly Sue, but I'm wondering how many of the things I'm going to say can apply to your life, too, and I hope it's a whole bunch. I'm going to use the word hate because David did. I don't like that word, but David said, I hate double-mindedness, knowing we need to hate some stuff. Well, I, I have, I've got these behaviors. I, I love how they feel for a minute, but I hate the results. I have a love-hate relationship with self-pity. Apparently, it feels good the moment I'm experiencing it or I wouldn't keep affirming it. I'm just so tired. I'm, I'm just under pressure. I just, I just wish my health was better. And Really? What does that mean? Why, why does it feel good, apparently, to say some things like that? Poor me, my life is so hard. There's something in that. But I want to ask you, is that God-pleasing, do you think? When he blesses me the way he's blessed me, you think he likes to hear those words coming out of my mouth? Well, it feels good, kind of like the feel of those salty potato chips <laughs> or that gooey chocolate on your tongue. See, it isn't that I hate the taste of potato chips. I love potato chips. I love Fritos. I love to hold the bag and smell them. I love to open the Lay's potato chips, stick my nose in it, and just smell that first smell. Oh, there's something. And, and I love to turn on Colombo and just cuddle up there with that bag and munch away. Mmm, it feels good. But I just hate that my pants get too tight. And I hate to get on the scale and discover I've gained back the three pounds it took me three months to lose. So I've got a love-hate relationship with chips. But before I can do what I love, I have to identify my own problems. Sometimes I need to step back and look at what makes me do the things I do. See, I've got a long-standing relationship with a bag of potato chips. They've been there for me in the midnight hour. They have, uh, when I couldn't call on anybody else, I could call on those chips. My friend, a bag of chips. Hmm, analyze that, will you? I hate anger. I do. 
But sometimes it makes me feel good because of the immediate results. Mm-hmm. I've got a complicated relationship with anger in my life because I found out early that sometimes if I get mad, <clears throat> I can get people to do what I want. But then I'm alone after the explosion. And I hate being angry because I hate being alone. And you know what else? I hate having to meet the person that I showed out in front of and have to start at scratch to try to build a new relationship, a new trust. I hate that I can't erase words that I said in anger. I can remember some back when I was a little kid. I hate the outcome, see? I hate what ugly words do to relationships. Can't I get some maturity? Can't I hear the Holy Spirit inside of me saying, don't do that? It's not worth it. Can't I get some of the words of the Bible inside of me deep enough, strong enough to overcome that immediate gratification of anger? The Bible's so full of things that talk about outcome. Some outcome is temporary. Thank you, Lord. But you know what? Some outcome is permanent. And some outcome is eternal. I need to have a good look at what I have in this hate-love relationship and weigh the outcome against the temporary pleasure. I'm going to continue. Go with me here. I hate the complicated relationship I have with complaining. That's a little different than self-pity. But I must love complaining because I keep on doing it. Can anybody here understand what I'm saying? My husband is the one to hear most of it. Is there a chance he just loves to hear it? I don't think so. I really don't think so. So what is it about complaining? How complicated is it? Somebody says, how are you doing? And you say, oh, just let me tell you. <gasps> life is really hard right now. Or I feel so bad and I'm dealing with so many problems. Or my life is just so busy, so busy, so busy. There's not a moment of peace. On and on. Five minutes. You know, you know what they're going to do? That person you unloaded on, they'll zip over to another aisle in Walmart the next time they see you coming. And they're sure not going to say, how are you? How much better if we would say, listen, I'm good. I'm good. God's good. I'm blessed. Thank you for asking. How much better that would be? Because that's the truth, isn't it? These words make me feel good when I say I'm good. Yet there's this thing that must get some momentary pleasure out of saying, oh, things are so tough right now. Okay. Here's one that really is going to sound nasty. I love to talk bad about people. Really? Surely not. Hey, I don't want to talk bad about people, but I must love to because I find myself doing it. It creeps into my conversation. Afterwards, I, I got to cry out to God, why did I say that? Why did I need to tell my friend about that other person? Do I want them to think bad about that person because I'm feeling bad about them right now? Am I trying to get them on my side like some kid? What's going on? What good will it do for me to say bad things about somebody? You know, God covered my sin, and I am so thankful for that. So why would I want to uncover other people's sin? You know, he said in teaching us to pray, forgive as you've been forgiven. Huh? What is it in me that makes me want to share somebody's failures? Does it make me feel a little bit better about my dysfunction because I can talk about their dysfunctions? I'm distressed. And I'm ashamed to think that there would be a love-hate conflict in me that makes me open my mouth and damage somebody else's character. The word of God speak. And what does it say in Philippians? It says, let your gentleness be made known before all men because the Lord is nigh. 
The Lord's right here listening to everything I say. He's close. And after I say what apparently gives me some perverse pleasure to say, I have to ask him to forgive me of my sins and expect him to extend kindness to me that I didn't extend to somebody else. God, help me examine my love-hate behaviors. And just when I think I've got spiritual maturity about some of this, you know what? I do it again. Did you ever have the Holy Spirit confront you, maybe when you're talking to somebody right in the middle of what you're telling them, and the Holy Spirit hits you, and you go ahead and finish your story? Did you ever do that? Boy, you talk about a bad trip right in the face of the Holy Spirit urging you, shut up. Have you ever cried tears before the Lord because of your failure after you have made him a promise to control something in your life and to control your thinking? Now, there's a healthy way to hate. I want to hate what God hates. I hate racism. I do. I hate poverty and starvation. I hate sexual slavery, abortion. That's the only way I'm going to be motivated to do something about it is if I can work up a healthy hate that I should have. That's the only way I'll write the check. Little thing. I hate being late. I don't say I love to be early. But I can say I don't want to walk in like that. I don't want them to always see me as late. Well, there she is. Bev's late again. But until I hate to be late, I won't fix it. What else? I hate indecision. I hate procrastination. I I have to hate the pressure of having it hang over me the more than I love spending time on some game or watching television or maybe it's Facebook. So where am I going to spend my hours this day? I've got a group of hours, and where am I going to spend them? What does God have for me? I want to tell you something. He's got plans for me. He's got plans for you too every single day. There is a plan. I can miss it. I have decisions I need to make about my day. Can I change? Can I change? Uh-huh. You know, once you have been bitten, you learn to avoid the snake. God's a tough teacher. He can get us to the place where we'll learn to hate what he hates. Because if I didn't despise Egypt after I had a little trip there, I would be tempted to go back. I won't let it tempt me anymore because I have experienced, listen to this, I have been experienced being on Satan's team for a season. And I never, never want to experience that again. Ask yourself this morning, maybe you can remember, have you been on Satan's team for a season? Miserable. Ah, girlfriends, we do disappoint ourselves. It's true. But the question is, do you know where to run when this discouragement comes, or do you just go get some chocolate chip cookies? David knew where to run, and here's how he said it to us from his scripture, from his Psalms, not in our lesson today, but just go read the parallel Psalms. And he said it like this, you're my hiding place, Lord. You're my shield. If you'll cleanse me, I'll be whiter than snow. That's where our help lies. You know that. God is our refuge. He's our strong tower, a tower in the battle with our love-hate dilemma. We've got to listen to him. He's always speaking. We've got to listen. And he'll come to your heart and say, come out of that low place. Come out of low expectations of yourself. Come out of hypocrisy. It's nasty. And I don't want you to have any part of it. Can I? Yeah. If I'll seek God. Because here's the answer. My helper is none other than the Holy Spirit of God. That's who my helper is. Jesus called him that. 
I'm going to send you a helper. He'll help me if I let him. And believe me, I want to let him speaking to me, telling me. Isaiah 30, 21, listen, it says like this. This is what will happen to you if you let it. Your ears will hear a word behind you say, this is the way. Walk in it. That word behind you, the Holy Spirit of God. Listen to this from Ezekiel. God says, I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk the right way. Um, finally, from Corinthians, let's move to the New Testament. It says, now we have received, not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Well, David learned. He fell and he got up. He'd fall again and he'd get up. And he was called by God himself. It says in the, in the New Testament, we're told about this. It's called a man after God's own heart who loved the things God loved and hated the things that God hated. We can too. If we must fall down, God will help us get up. He will. Isn't he a patient God? Have you found him to be patient? He'll help us get up. But here it is, right back in our laps. It's always our decision. Okay? All right. Now I think everybody else in here ought to have a turn to get up and tell about your love-hate relationships and not leave me up here by myself. Because <laughs> I'm sure there have, you have some things that you can identify. and Maybe some of yours were the same as some of mine. I, I, I'm hoping that I'm not seeing anybody nod at me. Okay, I'm not going there anymore. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> All right. Uh, we want to try to get through um, three lessons today if we can, and that will leave us nine for the next two weeks and then we'll be finishing this up i have enjoyed this study samuel david can we learn a lot oh my gosh and if we would go on into kings and the division of the kingdom and how things oh we would learn a bunch more the old is there to teach us that the law was not good enough we had to have Jesus Christ and that perfect sacrifice and the spirit within us. And there's so much to learn from their mistakes. We don't have to make them all ourselves, but we'll just look back and see some of theirs. Okay. Would you stand with me, please? <laughs>